House 219 to 210, the House of Representatives passed an $886 billion defense policy bill restricting abortion access, transgender health care, and diversity efforts in the United States military. Uh, with the threat of China and Taiwan on the horizon, is military readiness being compromised? Lieutenant General Tom McInerney is here to discuss the National Defense Authorization Act and the dangers of a woke military. And then in the landmark case of Missouri versus Biden, Judge Terry Doughty asked in court if anyone had read George Orwell's 1984 and whether they remembered the Ministry of Truth. This is a huge story, my fellow Americans, with the most serious implications for freedom. Dr. Aaron Cariotti joins me and he explains it is indeed time to slay the government's Ministry of Truth. It's all next on Viewpoint This Sunday. the bias, the lies and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news, providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday. Welcome to the weekend news magazine, the Viewpoint This Sunday. It is Malcolm out loud here. With this uh, National Defense Authorization Act uh, for the fiscal year 2024, it's a big story. And, and this gets even more complicated than you think, friends. Uh, this vote uh, was 219 to 210. Uh, the uh, Speaker, McCarthy, uh, you know, he's got a very small uh, majority there. And he has to be sure he's paying attention uh, almost all the time here. But he cut it off with uh, four Republicans who uh, declined and four Democrats who jumped in and said they would they cross party lines. And those were in districts that, as always, they need it was a political expedient for them to do that. And uh, so it was two, 219 to 210. And uh, now it's onward to the Senate and uh, then uh, the president. Uh, so this um, this was a $886 billion defense uh, policy bill, uh, and it's restricting, here's the argument, here's where the rubber meets the road, actually. It will restrict abortion access, transgender health care, and diversity efforts in the military. Many have been calling this over the last many years, the the wokeism in the military of what's taken place here, you know, as an experiment, if you will. Uh, so that's kind of where we're going to start here. Let's bring on here Lieutenant General Tom McInerney is here. Just a privilege to have uh, General McInerney with us. He's a retired United States Air Force Lieutenant General. He also is involved in our own National Security Hour. He's a host on there with some extraordinary uh, military and intelligence experts. Um, and uh, General McInerney, always a privilege to have you here, sir. Thank you for joining us on Viewpoint this Sunday, sir. Uh, delighted to be with you, uh, Malcolm. So good to have you, General. It's good to have you here as well. Let's jump into this uh, bill, just this National Defense Authorization Act. So uh, let's uh, the big argument of the push here was to bring some of these policies out of the military, uh, General. Uh, the abortion access, the transgender health care, 
and uh, the, a lot of these diversity, equity, inclusion programs, which get uh, really uh, controversial, to be sure. Do you consider the military, from as, as an officer in the military yourself, haven't been there, do you consider it be, haven't become too woke at this point? Is I mean, it really, is, it, is that just a soundbite, or is it a woke experiment with these sorts of initiatives? Uh, what, do you, what do you gather out of that point first, uh, General? It's a woke experiment by Biden administration doing it. The military doesn't want it. And unfortunately, they've got some senior leaders that are <clears throat> expressing interest just to stay in their position or get a higher position. It will impact our readiness absolutely zero. As a matter of fact, it's going to improve our readiness because the troops out in the field do not support these kind of onesies and twosies things uh, where the mandatory abortion and the diversity. Diversity does not help the U.S. military. And un unfortunately, there's some people that think it does. But I can assure you, Malcolm, yeah. in my 35 years in the Air Force and four years at West Point, skin color was never a factor. Everything was based on merit. And I was in a single seat fighter most of my life. And I didn't, they didn't care who was on my wing, who their mommy and daddy was, where they went to school, or who they were married to. All I cared, cared about was their performance. Yeah. And I remember as a one-star, I launched almost 60 F-15s, single-seat F-15s, out of Kadena Air Base, Okinawa. Come out. I did not know the skin color of those 60 people. Right. I knew they were in position. It's that simple, Malcolm. Yeah. And for people to try to make an issue of it and want it, the skin ratio are the same as our population, it makes no sense. Martin Luther King understood that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wondered just this past a couple of weeks, uh, General, if uh, what MLK would have thought about the affirmative action being overturned uh, with the spring, uh, Supreme Court. Uh, which really gets back to judging one by their uh, character and accomplishments, which is what King's goal was, and not what the pigment skin color that you happen to be, which is to most reasonable people that have a brain, doesn't even factor into the equation for any of us, frankly, General. But they've made it a thing, haven't they? You know, they've made it a thing, right? They have, but they've done it for a deliberate reason. What's the reason? To, to create disruption and chaos and arguments in the country. That's their objective. The Biden administration, let me put it, the Biden-Obama administration is deliberately trying to create chaos. And so all these events that come out, and they're constant, every day something new is coming up. Yeah. Uh, they're doing it deliberately to take away from many one, a pluribus unum. Right. Uh, that was what has made us great these last 240 some odd years. And uh, it's important that American people understand that. America is at risk right now, and the military is central to this conversation we're having. Uh, what do you say about all that, sir? Well, it's a very precarious situation. Little did I think, Malcolm, 68 years ago, when I took the oath of office as a plebe on the plains of West Point, on the plain of West Point, to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Little did I think that 
68 years later, our primary threat would be a domestic threat. And uh, I say that very, very candidly, the treason that has been committed in the last years under Barack Hussein Obama and uh, Joe Biden, deliberately acts of treason, open borders, for instance, uh, a corrupt election in 2020, all these things, 2024, more corruption. And I only point these things out because it's coming true uh, that, that what has happened in the treason in our nation is coming from two former, one former commander-in-chief, Barack Hussein Obama, and one current commander-in-chief. We deliberately surrendered in Afghanistan. The day he took office, he deliberately gave up our energy independence. Malcolm, yeah. no nation going back to biblical times has given up their energy independence because it's a national security issue. Well, Judge General, yeah. nor, nor have they left that level of uh, pricey equipment, high-tech uh, military equipment in the deserts of Afghanistan near China. Uh, that's never happened in our history either. Correct. And so people think these were accidents. No, they're deliberately designed to diminish the role of the United States and the important leadership role in these 247 years that we have played globally, not so much in the early days, but clearly, clearly going back 100 years now to the First World War and the periods after in the Second World War and then the Cold War. Mm -hmm. The U.S. was a symbol of democracy and freedom with a constitution. They are trying to diminish that. In this NATO summit <clears throat> last week, Joe Biden give the world a feeling of dominance in American security with his presence there? Hardly, right. hardly. Right. We have a problem. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about it over the past couple of weeks for sure. Uh, he, he, his presence there was uh, was very questionable. Uh, there were many uh, uh, flubs with uh, he confused countries, calling Ukraine Russia, Russia Ukraine, Zelensky Putin, Putin Zelensky, uh, various things like that. And uh, showed a very frail, weak leader on the world stage as he was uh, meeting folks. It did not uh, give folks the warm and fuzzy. You know, one of the things that I was surprised, and I don't know if you know this, I did not know, uh, the transgender in the military, the troops there, General, uh, did you know that uh, they say there's roughly, uh, these are the numbers I've got here, around 15,000 service members that I, I just find this mind blowing. This is accurate, and the, that serving openly in the military since 2021, advocacy That's what they're saying. Fifteen thousand. That that's some startling numbers. Is does that sound right to you? It's incredible. Wow. There was zero when I was in the military. Yeah. I would get rid of them all. We do not need transgenders in the U.S. military. The dear Lord gave us two things when we were born skin color and a gender, male or female. In my world, there are only two genders, male and female. And this, this transgender and all this thing that they're doing in our schools and going after our youngsters as young as six, seven or eight years old, nine years old, is again to create chaos, to disrupt the family, 
The teachers don't want to let the parents know what they're doing. This is, again, their objective. It's the objective of the uh, Democratic Party, which is no longer a Democratic Party that you and I knew growing that's up. That's right. That's right. That's right. It, it yeah. is a communist party. Yeah. They call well, it progressive. It's been taken over. You're exactly right. And pe people know it. People know it, General. This defense bill now, $886 uh, uh, billion, uh, the defense policy. You know, one of the things, well, okay, a couple of things into the guts of this. The bill will authorize a 5.2% pay raise for troops and funding for new barracks, combat ships, drones. And it will also create a space national guard and establish a new special uh, inspector general for the Ukraine security assistance and oversee audits of all U.S. aid provided to Ukraine. God knows we need to do that. Uh, a lot of money and uh, time and treasure is going over there to Ukraine. Um, it seems like the agenda has changed with Ukraine. Uh, and let me touch on that real briefly with you, General. It seems like we started where NATO, I just talked to listeners the last few days about this. Everything was really tiptoes, very cautious about NATO, didn't want something to go off you know, and hit Poland and pull NATO into the argument. Uh, there was no really talk out in the public about loading up them up with equipment and money and dollars and all this. And now all that's changed, authorizing 3,000 troops to Europe. What do you make of the conflict? Is this ratcheting up? And are they looking for a war? Yes or no? There's support troops that are helping in, quote, combat operations. That's right. That's right. Much more support going over there for the Ukraine. These troops are really support troops. It, it, to me, it's it's an administrative move that, that they have to do because they aren't uh, used to having so much equipment that is flowing through the U.S. forces in Europe, USARA, as we used to call it, and still call it, U.S. Army Europe or U.S. Forces Europe, uh, flowing through there. It needs this administrative support to uh, to back it up. Yet, yet a lot of the headlines made you believe that there was something more going on here. Thank you for putting that into context. With these comments back and forth with Putin and Biden and now NATO, is this thing being ratcheted up or what's happening? Well, I think Biden's ratcheting it up. We need a president that will get a peace treaty going over there. Exactly. It would not have happened under President Trump. Clearly, I mean, everybody understands that. And it, it, you remember, it was Obama that gave the winks and blanks for the Russians to go into the Ukraine and in, into uh, the southern part of the Ukraine and take over Crimea. Back in his administration, all he did was send them meals ready to eat and blankets. So, so you you've got to understand what the Obama Biden administration clearly want to diminish the global role of America and not have us as the symbol of free people. Look how much freedom has been created by being a symbol since the end of World War II. And, and you look at that and you see why Obama has no love for America. And uh, he's the only president that didn't leave Washington. He moved 1.2 miles to Calorama next to the largest mosque in Washington, D.C., He's got a skiff in his basement, and he's got all his people in the administration that are former uh, Obama acolytes running this government. I mean, nobody, when I said this two years ago, you know, it was hard for people to believe, but nobody believes today watching uh, Biden 
trip over his feet at the Air Force Academy, wherever he's going, going up the stairs, can't carry on a conversation. Malcolm, President Biden could not be on the radio with you like you and I are talking right now. Exactly. Yeah, no, no, no. So he's not running the country. Well, I've just shared that in the last few days. Uh, We talked about it on air that, uh, yeah, there's no question he's not running the country. Uh, Someone else is. In fact, now I see reports over the past uh, few days here, insiders uh, from the Democrat uh, Party are heavily suggesting that he will not be on the ballot in 2024. Something else is going to transpire here and take place. And they are now talking about who might get in there. That doesn't really surprise me. Does it surprise you? No, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me. The first move they'll do is they'll get rid of uh, Camilla. She's right. got to go. Definitely. I mean, look, he's the worst vice president in our history. <laughs> and, and that's, look, he wanted a black woman. He got a black woman. But he got the dumbest black woman, or maybe the second dumbest. I think the one in the Supreme Court that doesn't know the difference between a man and a woman. Kintanji uh, uh, Jackson you're speaking about, huh? Jackson, yeah. I mean, that was a disgraceful hearing when she yeah. was asked, would define a woman and she couldn't do it. Yeah. All right. Let me let me move along. A couple other things I want to talk to you about. Senator Tommy T- uh, Tuberville, I want to ask you about him. Uh, there's been a big story here and we've covered it uh, extensively during the week as well. But the uh, what is your opinion on this? Uh, he has used the Hyde Amendment, uh, which blocks funding for abortion and all these things. And but basically, they've gotten pretty ugly with uh, with this senator, and they basically calling him a white nationalist, uh, sort of a racist, of course, which is always the the go to card, and uh, we, and also making abortion the conversation here. Really, all he is saying is he said he'll lift the ban in the Senate with only two conditions: the policy is formalized in law or dropped. Uh, And he says, and I quote here, uh, General, if Democrats can't pass legislation to authorize the abortion policy, then it shouldn't be the policy. In other words, he's trying to get back to making sure these things are done by the proper rules and uh, in honor in our Constitution. Uh, And these are things that that that's been his argument. Uh, pass the legislation or don't, but don't put this stuff in all, all the time in the middle of the night and then make it policy, which is really the problem we're having in government today is the overreach. Uh, is Tuberville Tom, a hero or a villain? A hero. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, God bless them for having the courage to do this. Yeah. And they go after with the same thing, white terrorists and all this. Yeah. Uh, that's ridiculous. Uh, and uh, he should stand up. He should stand up and continue to do what he's doing. He's doing, saying, it. he's doing it. The Democrats want to vote for it. Let them vote for it. Exactly. exactly. But the yeah. Democrats don't have. Well, you know, here's the odd thing, General. Even if he was black, they would still call him a white supremacist. You know that? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Look what they're doing with the Scott from yeah. South Carolina. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. With Justice Thomas. These people's minds are so demented. It doesn't even mean white and black anymore. It's just a derogatory statement to mean you don't you don't uh, agree with their Marxist policies is what it means, General. Marxist policies, Malcolm. You hit the nail on the head. Marxist policies. That's what we're facing. That's exactly it. All this is, falls under that genre right there, right? I mean, 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's holding steady now uh, with this, uh, uh, you know, unanimous consent uh, in the Senate, uh, which is the rules of engagement and uh, and forcing their hand. And of course, so how, does this bottom line, because I want to get to this other big story, does this you know, there's about 250, might be up to 270 now officers that are sort of being blocked at the moment. There's a few others. Of course, Millie's going to be out of there soon. A lot of people will celebrate that. Uh, does this impact in a major way our military readiness? And uh, how will this thing be resolved, do you think? Well, it's going to be resolved because the Democrats are going to lose on it because they could vote it in if they wanted to uh, as a separate issue. But they're trying to sneak it in, as you say, under the NDAA with so many other things. And the NDAA doesn't fund it. There is a a dollar budget that they authorize, but it's really the authorizers, the the, the, uh, financial committees that that put the dollar, but they put all the policies in the NDAA. And so they're going to have to cave on it. And they will cave. They'll cave. And he's going to be a hero. You know, a lot of this new class I'm finding, I don't know about you, General, but I'm finding a lot of the new class are standing stronger and firmer in the face of the, well, these Marxist moves. I I find a lot of the, and we're starting to get some very interesting people to govern in there. Are you seeing that as well? Yes. And, And we're getting rid of the rhinos, but we've still got major, major problems. McConnell, et cetera, a major problem. Yeah, uh, they were not supporting. Uh, I mentioned those elections. They didn't stand up and demand audits on these elections. I'm so anxious to talk to you about this last but huge big story to me. Interesting uh, article in the Wall Street Journal. General, it says, "Would allies fight with U.S. for Taiwan? Japan is worried." Um, and uh, Washington and Tokyo are making plans to defend Taiwan against a potential attack by China. But J- Japan at this point is troubling to commit with its military. And of course, that comes back to their constitution, which was um, uh, modified with uh, Shinzo Abe when he was here. Uh, so uh, that's an arguable point. Let me, I, I want listeners to understand it's some confusing points on this. I'm hoping in just a couple of minutes you can clear up for me. When I say one China policy, explain in English what one China policy means, please, to the to, to listeners. Well, that's just a uh, deception where we agreed so we could get moving things with the People's Republic of China, that in the long run, the Taiwan was a province of China. China, right. Uh, okay. Right. The point is... Uh, Taiwan is very important. 80% of the chips that we use in many of our defense programs, et cetera, come from there. They're a free, independent nation. When I was the wing commander at Clark Field and colonel many years ago in the mid-70s, I had a nuclear alert site up on uh, Taiwan that we were targeting targets in the Communist Chinese Republic. CCP against the CCP. So they have been a good ally. Uh, the it's it's going to be far more difficult than the Ukraine. Yeah, and China yeah, doesn't right. mean, in my opinion, China doesn't gain anything by doing that and owning them. Well, uh, that would be an arguable point to them. You know that, you know. I mean <laughs> well, their strength is 
their economy. Yeah, yeah. And if they shut that economy down, which they're having major problems in real estate and major problems right now, uh, you know, they promulgated in 2005 a uh, doctrine for global domination called unrestricted warfare and how they would gain dominance over the United States without using kinetic means, bombs and bullets. That's right, that's right. They would use passive biological and massive cyber warfare. It's a cognitive war here, yeah. Yes. Now, does anybody deny where COVID-19 came from? Right, that's right. Yeah. No, I don't. Not in our world. In concert with the own CDC, which helped fund it. The reason I'm bringing this because it impacts the statement that you told me about that not many people know about that doctrine that they promulgated in 2000. But, but let me ask you this, General, why do, why do why do we send these mixed signals? I mean, because we've been doing this right along. This got nothing to do with Biden, specifically the one China policy. We put this out there like it's a thing. We can't talk out both sides of our mouth is what I'm saying. And I'm in agreement with you. And, and I don't know why they're doing it, except they are deliberately trying exactly. to make us look weak. Right. Well, yeah. then the, this whole thing with, with uh, the Taiwan, look, let me ask you a very difficult question. And it's a question we won't fully answer here. We'll talk about it again down the road, you and I will. But um, is Taiwan worth engaging in World War III? Uh, you know, that's a, let me put it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, it take longer to explain the pluses and minuses, but yeah, yeah. but if there's hundred miles between, and ships still that. go yeah. at twenty knots, okay, and and to take that target out, let me give you an example. Of what happened in the Ukraine? The Russians were going to put in an air door, airborne division at uh, Kiev, and uh, the first lead aircraft coming in uh, were shot down with Stinger missiles. One one person shot down an airplane that had upwards of almost 150 paratroopers in. And the second one was shot down. That immediately neutralized that airborne attack yeah. because they were going to get wiped out. So technology, uh, when you look at, at, at what the Chinese would have to do mm-hmm. and where you have these precision weapons, it is entirely different. Now, they do have hypersonic weapons that they're building, et cetera, but not now. It's more talk right now. They value, and here's where the the Biden administration has opened up the floodgates of trade with China, that Trump had it cut down. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, but Biden is deliberately, through uh, the Green New Deal, et cetera, opening up the trade with China, which they need. Now, I would I would say cut off all trade with China if they're going to if if they and that would happen if they attacked. I don't think they're going to do it. But yeah. they're clearly giving with the building of the islands out in the Spratleys and all those things, airfields right. here. Right, right. They have changed it dramatically since I was a commander out. Oh yeah. You know, that difficult question I asked you, is Taiwan worth? It's a difficult question. It's not an easy question to address at all, a, a World War Three sort of thing. And God only knows right now, General, we, we may be headed there whether we like it or not uh, on many fronts, let alone Taiwan. But uh, 
many other factors could get us there. Uh, you would probably agree with that uh, around the world right now. It's a t- tough world right now, isn't it? You know, bottom line, right? You know. Yeah. Let, yeah. let me tell you, we have a bigger problem. Yeah, that's on right. These container uh, missiles that have been shipped in quietly. You know, we have millions of containers that come in a year. And they're made in Russia, and they're cruise missiles. And they've been shipped into our country. Yeah. Now, why do you think we've got probably approaching 50 to 100,000 Chinese of military age that are coming to the U.S. now? They're in the U.S. You're talking about the Chinese nationals coming across the border? Is that what you mean? Yes, into the U.S. The We've been talking border. about it with immigration experts. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm afraid that they're going to man it, man those containers that have cruise missiles. Now, yes, our sir. mutual assurance right. construction right. This is, a, is, is determined is we will launch yeah. on launch normally. Could right. We could launch on moon. But if we see them launch their missile fields, then that's when we do. And so you have mutual assured destruction. So what happens when we have all of a sudden our missile fields and our air bases, two thirds of our nuclear deterrent is is taken out and we didn't see any launches from the Chinese or the Russians. Think about uh, it. Well, you just that, gave me some. Yeah. That is no longer yeah. a successful strategy. All right. We got to freeze it right there. But you just gave me some interesting uh that's a very interesting scenario you give. And, you know, it's funny, General, because I've been asking experts about all these Chinese nationals coming in and so on and so forth. And uh, and many people are it is a quandary for many. You're the first one to put your finger right on the button on this thing and question further what might be their ultimate goal. Well, as you started the broadcast, the enemy is from within. Uh, and uh, the domestic enemy is here, and now it's being aided and abetted by open borders and whatever is coming over the border now. Uh, it is unbelievable what has taken place in our country. What a fascinating conversation here with uh, Lieutenant General Tom McInerney. Uh, friends, let me remind you that it is uh, shop is the place where you'll get all the incentives and the uh, discounted uh, products that we've been uh, helping all of us out with to improve our health and our well-being that we talk about on the broadcast. All right, we're going to move this program along here. I'm really excited just to hit here. Dr. Aaron uh, Cariotti will be joining us on Missouri versus Biden. Free speech, government overreach, and boy, things are not all free and calm in the republic. <laughs> Stay right there. More Viewpoint in just a moment. The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Out loud. 
If you're like me, you'd like life to return to some kind of normal. You're burned out on all the fear-mongering, but deep down you try and minimize viral exposure and your risk of getting sick. You've heard it talked about time and again by respected medical professionals. Use a pulvinone iodine nasal solution. I don't need to tell you just how powerful a nasal cleansing formula with xylitol, pulvinone iodine, and vitamin D3 for immune support could be. In fact, my attorney told me not to tell you. Google it and find out for yourself. Now, get yourself a bottle of American-made Cofix RX nasal solution. Let's get out and live again. CofixRx.com. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Use coupon code out loud and get 20% off. It was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, Lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It is indeed Malcolm Out Loud here, and thank you for joining me on the mission, friends. And listen, big change on the mission I need to tell you about right up front here. And now we are known as AmericaOutloud.news is now the main name of the platform. Big change after seven years, seven and a half years almost now um, in our existence here at America Out Loud. Uh, now the dot com will still get you there and always will that's how you do this thing it's a it's a redirect if you will an alias but the idea is to celebrate what we're here for and that is to inform the american people americaoutloud.news okay make sure you tell your friends or neighbors about that and uh all right this next uh, story is to me one of the most significant stories and i think really should be the front headline and every publication, news channel, what have you, if everybody was playing by the same set of rules and the fourth estate existed, that would be what would be happening. But that is not the case, friends, which is why we're going to talk about it here and bring you up to date on some interesting things. Missouri versus Biden. This goes way beyond free speech. This is government totalitarianism. Uh, This is communism at its best. uh, And it is happening right here. United States of America, for sure. Dr. Aaron Cariotti joins me now. He is a physician uh, specializing in psychiatry, author of uh, several books. Uh, His new one, The New Abnormal, uh, The Rise of the Biomedical Security State, is a pretty new one now. That's in the America Out Loud bookstore. It's actually on the front page as well, on the right sidebar, if you go to the homepage there. Uh, Dr. Cariotti, wonderful to have you here. Thank you for joining us on Viewpoint this Sunday, sir. Thanks, Malcolm. It's great to be with you. It's a privilege. It's finally good to connect up with you. And you've been doing some awesome things out there. And I could not be prouder of the work you're doing here. Let's start off. And some people may not even know about this, frankly, here. But here's the thing. The judge presiding in this case, uh, who has really created quite a name for himself in a lot of different cases, quite a quite an individual, Terry Doughty, Judge Doughty, if you will. He asked the court if anyone had read George Orwell's 1984, which, of course, by golly, I've read it multiple times. It's a hell of a read. (laughs) And uh, whether they, they remember the Ministry of Truth. And he says it's relevant here to this case, Missouri versus Biden. Now, you say in one of your writings here It is indeed time to slay 
the government's ministry of truth. I hope that our efforts in Missouri v. Biden proved to be a crucial first step in this uh, project to restore our constitutional rights. And you say, wow, government censorship was far more wide-ranging than previously known. Ever see anything like this in your lifetime, Dr. Cariotti? And this ministry of truth, that's a good place to start. What do you think? Yeah. So, of course, everything in Orwell is backwards. So, you know, the Ministry of Love are, is the secret police that tortures people. The Ministry of Peace is the, the war-making machinery. And the Ministry of Truth is the propaganda and censorship arm of the government. And what we've seen built up over the last five or six years in this country, really accelerated during COVID, is a whole network of government agencies and I call them quasi-private entities because many of them are government-funded, places like the Stanford Internet Observatory and the Virality Project that are engaged 24-7 in the business of censorship and that help the government basically pressure social media companies to remove content that the government does not like. We've never seen anything quite at this scale because Missouri versus Biden is the first free speech censorship case of its kind during the digital age, during the age of social media. So if you look at previous, let's say, Supreme Court cases on free speech, usually they involve the government overreaching and pressuring a publisher to remove a book or to censor an article or maybe a particular journalistic source, maybe a series of articles. But what we're talking about here, if, as Judge Terry Doughty said in his recent injunction ruling, if what the plaintiffs allege is true, then this will be the most important free speech case of uh, of our lifetimes. And the reason is it will implicate the government in censoring hundreds of thousands of America uh, Americans tens of millions of times on social media by pressuring the big social media companies, even pressuring them at times to change their terms of service in order to censor more people the reach of the government's censorship leviathan, this, this huge apparatus, is unlike anything that we've seen in the past. I think that's one of the reasons it's hard for Americans to sort of wrap their heads around what's happening. You may have been censored on social media without even realizing that you were censored, right? Maybe YouTube or Facebook or Twitter gives you a notice saying your, your post has been taken down but maybe they just tweak the algorithm such that it's shadow banned. So you could put it out there, but none of your followers can actually see it or read it. They, they, they limit the reach of your voice. And once the government is able to do this, to control the flow of information, then they can control basically our behaviors by uh, controlling what we're allowed to see and what we're not allowed to see. They can project a false scientific consensus during a pandemic, when in fact there's actually a debate, but you're only able to access one side of the debate. So as a plaintiff in this case, I'm trying to represent not only myself, uh, who was censored during COVID, but all Americans who have been censored really since this whole apparatus began developing around 2016, 2017. Yeah, that's a great way to put it right there, Dr. Cariotti, that uh, you're representing all Americans it's funny how it started out that way with the COVID fiasco that was pretty clear to all of us. But, you know, I was thinking the other day and reading your writings in the past year and some of your things you've, you've said and your mindset on this topic. I mean, 
you above all people I, uh, I was considering have got to be you're probably frightened uh, I would imagine you've got to be frightened you 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 have to be doctor you have to be really scared about what's taking place right now because as I read your writings you you dove pretty pretty deep into this now and you know the uh, the the how far and wide this goes into our community. I know how far and wide it goes and how sick yeah. it all is. Yeah. And I was thinking about you as reading this, and I think you you've got to be truly, truly frightened. And you probably more than most most of the 330 plus million Americans, you probably realize we no longer have the constitution we think we have, and we no longer have the free government, do we? Well, that's that's my concern. The Constitution is just a piece of paper unless Americans stand up and defend it, unless Americans stand up and defend their constitutional rights. Um, I, I will say here publicly, Malcolm, a little bit tongue in cheek, that I'm not suicidal. So if I die under unusual circumstances, <laughs> I promise all Americans I did not take my own life. Please investigate what Amen. happened. Amen. Um, but, you know, all all joking aside, you don't know um, Hillary Clinton, do you? By chance. <laughs> I'll just say I, just might, I might be on her bad side now. <laughs> um, yeah. So I fear God. And so I do not need to fear our government. I do not t- need to fear uh, my my fellow man, you know, not not to get preachy or anything. But that's that's sort of my attitude toward this whole thing. You know, what am I here for if not to try uh, to do my part to uh, make our country a better place and to defend the basic fundamental human rights of uh, myself and my my fellow Americans. So, you know, I'm a happy warrior. I'm happy to be fighting this battle. And, um, you know, if it, I, I've already lost my job challenging the uh, censorship regime and challenging the, the COVID regime. Uh, I filed a lawsuit against the University of California, my own employer, challenging their vaccine mandate in federal court. And that cost me my career in academic medicine. So, you know, I'm prepared to make sacrifices yeah. if necessary uh, for, you know, in, in order to do what I believe is yeah. right and yeah. good. And, and that's what actually brings me joy professionally. That's that's why I do what I do. Yeah, that's become a, a common uh, deal here at America Allowed, frankly, uh, Dr. Cariotti, is that uh, it's a common thing with multiple doctors, multiple people, multiple yeah. heroes, I call them, on the platform, who've given up so much. They've lost their careers. They've lost their livelihoods. They've had massive changes in their life, all due to the same thing you did. You had to fight with out in California, as you say. Um, so, no, we totally get it here. Totally get it. You talk about here within censorship now, disinformation, misinformation, and malinformation. And But you also reference it in your writings as a highly developed industry. Uh, yeah. The way you reference that gets my attention, complete with career. And li- now listen to that. I want everybody, please, please listen to what we're talking about here, what Dr. Kiriot explains here. But you say here, complete with career training institutions in higher education. And you point out several of them. And you talk, you know, you get into even election integrity, that sort of thing. But insider jargon and euphemisms, as I just said, disinformation, misinformation, and malinformation, which must be debunked and pre-bunked. And of course, they the they they flip the script on the people using that as something like they're out to get all of that. But that's exactly what they're doing is doing yeah. exactly that. So tell people that's right. about that, please. I mean, so the government was the biggest purveyor of. Uh, disinformation and misinformation, so to speak, during the pandemic. I actually try to avoid those words because they're they're kind of slippery. The word malinformation is a recent invention, meaning 
saying something that is true, but uh, that lacks the quote unquote proper context. In other words, if you say something that's true, but it's inconvenient to the government, the government sees fit to censor that. So I try to avoid those words and just talk about what is true and what is false. And that's also a helpful reminder that even if what you say after debate and discussion, deliberation turns out not to be true, you still have a right to say it. You still have a right to make conjectures. You still have a right, uh, so to speak, to um, to voice an opinion that may be disproven. I mean, that's that's how America works. So the First Amendment protects speech, not just because much of what was censored happens to be true, which which is in fact what actually happened, but it protects uh, speech even if that speech turns out not to be true. And even if that speech is something that we consider to be uh, you know, vile or distasteful or what have you. And, and the reason that we need to defend even that kind of speech, even if we don't agree with it, even if we don't like it, is that the alternative is so much worse because the alternative is given, given a group of people uh, or the government the power to decide what is true and what is false. And that's a power that we know uh, from countless examples in history is going to be abused. Furthermore, no one has a monopoly on the truth. No one has the kind of godlike omniscience necessary to settle all disputes or to decide all debates. That's why you need an open debate. And then you trust the American people to use their own wits and their own judgment to come to their own conclusions. That's a perfect explanation you put out there uh, about the alternative. Thank you for that. that uh, so the alternative to sometimes we don't like what somebody says. I mean, it happens. But, you know, this is one of the prideful things of our country. I always speak about. Uh, I always tell listeners, uh, Dr. Cariotti, that, hey, you know, diversity of thought, diversity of, of opinion, uh, diversity of people is a beautiful American trait. It's what we pride ourselves on here. Uh, but it's hard. We no longer have those conversations at the water cooler, quite frankly. We're in a very yeah. hostile, toxic, toxic, yeah. terribly toxic environment now, aren't we? Yeah, that's right. And that's not a good thing for our country. That's not a good thing for democracy. And uh, censorship only exacerbates the problem of polarization because you know people if they feel silenced if they feel unheard if they if their opportunities to say their piece are stolen from them uh they're not going to stop talking they're going to start screaming they're going to start shouting because because they know that uh their rights are being violated and i don't think any of us want to live in a country where people feel that they have to scream and shout at one another we should we should want to live in a place where we can amicably disagree with other people, where we can have civil discussion, dialogue and debate. And, you know, when we can try to decide these things like civilized people rather than just wielding power to shut down or shut up those with whom we disagree. I don't know any American left or right who wants to live in a country that's characterized by, you know, that method of settling debate and dispute. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's exactly it. Uh, and we got to keep pointing that out um, to others in the uh, in that other space and not just talk in our circles in a vacuum with like minded people, but people with a diverse, different opinion. I love to bring different opinions and thoughts to the microphone, actually, uh, to the table. Uh, it's always been my privilege to do that, actually. And I love to hear other opposing views and thoughts. And frankly, I'll say one other thing, which I know you'll appreciate, but I think listeners need to understand is. You know, we publish a lot of different things in America are allowed. I don't agree with a lot of things that are published. But, you know, back to what you said moments ago, Dr. Cariotti, I have to honor free speech. 
I have to yeah. honor, as long as we say ladies and gentlemen, now we won't do hate, uh, racist, uh, pornography, garbage, yeah. stuff yeah. like that magnitude. Yep. But beyond that, uh, you can call me whatever the hell you want to call me. It doesn't matter to me. It really doesn't hurt my feelings. And and I publish things all day long that I totally disagree with those opinions, Your Honor. <laughs> I do it anyways, <laughs> right or wrong, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm old enough to to remember that, you know, the ACLU used to be uh, defending the right yeah. of Nazis to march in Skokie, yeah. Illinois, and the right of Americans to burn the American flag. Now, I find burning the American flag extremely distasteful, and I find Nazi ideology to be totally vile. Yeah. But, you know, again, the, alter the alternative to free speech is really totalitarianism, and Americans... Yeah. It is a good time for Americans to remember that. Yeah. Bad ideas are countered by, you know, bad, bad ideas are count, countered by better ideas, by more compelling and persuasive yeah. uh, and beautiful ideas. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're one of the first ones I've heard, though, say it the way you say it there, which is just perfect. Uh, the alternative to remind people, because we're always looking for the answer to the quandary. That's the answer right there that you put out there. Well, the alternative is not really good. Uh, back to reminding people of what, but, uh, what a totalitarian, uh, the atmosphere looks like. Slowly but surely, our country seems to be taking on this other phase, these Marxist views and which we spoke about up top of the broadcast with our uh, generals. And, um, uh, it seems to be taking more and more of that on. Uh, you talk about also buried within the Department of Homeland Security. Tell folks, if you would, briefly about this cybersecurity infrastructure yeah. security agency. This is quite fascinating, please. Yeah, so CISA, one of the 434 federal agencies that you probably haven't heard of, uh, was stood up in the waning days of the Obama, Obama administration in, in 2016. And around about 2017, their director, Jen Easterly, decided that their mission was not just to protect our critical infrastructure from things like computer viruses and cyber attacks, but to protect what she called euphemistically our cognitive infrastructure. Now, our listeners may be wondering, well, what is cognitive infrastructure? Cognitive infrastructure, Malcolm, is the thoughts inside of your head. And, and so this government agency decided that the thoughts inside of your head needed to be protected from guess what? From bad ideas, from the kind of ideas that, you know, uh, Aaron Cariotti and his uh, compatriots are, are trying to voice on social media. Mm -hmm. So SISA very quickly got into the business of censorship and became sort of a central clearinghouse or a central hub for censorship requests from all kinds of different government agencies, from the Department of State to uh, the, uh, the CDC to the FBI. And, uh, you know, I think Missouri v. Biden and the Twitter files have exposed this government agency that's become very corrupted since 2017. Uh, I think Jen Easterly needs to be fired, quite frankly. And I think this agency needs to be shut down or completely reconstituted to do its job protecting, you know, protecting dams from being blown up and protecting, you know, our internet service providers from being hacked. But this agency, like any other federal agency, obviously has no business uh, protecting the thoughts inside of our head. We, every American is perfectly capable of doing that themselves. If we don't do some major restructuring in our country, uh, Doc, if we don't, if we don't restructure some of the things we're talking about right here, and we're not even tip, tipping the iceberg here, people, believe me, but if we don't begin to really open our eyes and reverse some of this, I mean, 
what do we got? Uh, I mean, we're yeah. done. We're done. How do no, we move forward? How do we move? What? We're done. Well, it's a really hard problem. The the growth of the administrative state, you know, what some people have termed the deep state, these 434 federal agencies um, that, you know, most Americans have no idea what this huge bureaucracy is doing. They're involved in all kinds of rulemaking and all kinds of, quite frankly, lawmaking, which should be the job of Congress. How to rein this thing in is a very serious problem. And uh, it's something that, you know, we're going to have to contend with. The executive branch of government has grown into this huge leviathan that not even a president, you know, has much authority no. over as we've well, seen. Well, Trump found that out, didn't he? Didn't Trump yeah, find that out? Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean, these agencies are supposed to answer to the president of the United States. And obviously, we saw many of them working to undermine the president of the United States uh, during the last administration. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Many experts I speak to believe were put into power back to what you referenced moments ago, back during the Obama years. Uh, but you remember, he did tell the world that he was looking to use a transformation, was the word he used, mm -hmm. a transformational process for America. Now, that would clearly tr transform uh, this uh, constitutional republic in a short order. That's a, like a short order cook is what you can do with that one. And he has certainly started that process. Of, and that plays to a lot of this narrative here. That's a big part of this, isn't it, isn't it Dr. Carriotto? You know, I think that's right. Obama <clears throat> has a lot of blame for this, but there's, I, I honestly think there's been Republican administrations 100%. that have also allowed the growth. I mean, the growth of the security state after 9-11, you know, can be laid at the at the feet of George W. Bush. And so I- The I've, Patriot Act and all of that. Uh, the, all of the, that the Patriot yeah. Act really set the template actually yeah. for a lot of the authoritarianism that was advanced and accelerated during COVID when we turn from the war on terror to the war on viruses. So, you know, I think there's, I think both parties are, are have some responsibility for the, yeah. the growth of this Leviathan. They do. They do. And, um, yeah. you know, and, and we've got it, we've got to find a way to rein this thing in. It's a really hard problem. But unless we solve it, you know, there, there was a push for activist courts, right, to legislate from the that's bench right. for a while. That's, yeah. that's been somewhat reined in. I mean, originalism yeah. has really advanced in the last 10 years is, is kind of, uh, you know, the de facto judicial philosophy in the Supreme Court, at least. So that, that's progress. Uh, the censorship in government agencies is like something we've never seen. Could never even dreamt of this unless you were dreaming of uh, an Orwellian world. Uh, you couldn't possibly think of this or dream of this here. Election integrity plays a big part of this, Dr. Cariotti, as well. Election integrity, all of that plays a huge part. Um, let's bring it to the last point here in a summary of uh, Missouri versus Biden. Uh, let's just get a sense because we're going to follow this really closely with you now and all. And you are one of the plaintiffs of this thing. You've been heroic in your uh, in your ability to uh, to to and and really articulate with your uh, presenting the arguments as well. I must say, um, what uh, what what are the next steps and what what should listeners know, please, about this? So the government issued an uh, the judge rather issued an injunction telling the government to stop censoring. Uh, the uh, that has been appealed to the Fifth Circuit, so we'll get an expedited hearing in the next few weeks on that appeal, and the Fifth Circuit will either uphold or modify uh, or strike down that injunction. That injunction is not a final ruling, so whatever the Fifth Circuit decides, then the case will go to trial, and they, they, the case will probably most observers believe probably end up in the Supreme Court which could take you know, months to even a, a couple of years to wind its way through the federal court system. 
ultimately, I think we're going to prevail in this case. The evidence that we have in our favor is really quite overwhelming. The legal issues, I think, are pretty clear cut. I think there are uh, we've presented mountains of evidence to the court uh, to get this injunction. It's hard to get a preliminary injunction because it's basically the judge saying even before the case goes to trial, just on the basis of the evidence submitted pre-trial, the plaintiffs have a high likelihood of succeeding on the merits of their arguments. The judge, the judge said that that exact language is in the preliminary injunction ruling. So that's a that's a sign that we're probably going to win this case. Uh, the injunction would be very helpful because it'll put a stop to a lot of the nonsense while the case is being tried. Right, so. Sooner, sooner rather than later would be better in that regard. But, right. but whatever happens, we're going to fight this all the way to the end. We're going to take it all the way to the Supreme Court if necessary. And I think this will hopefully open a breach in the wall for other similar cases right. where people can seek restitution from the government or the social media companies yeah. because their First Amendment rights have been violated. So this will hopefully strike the first blow against the censorship Leviathan and then you know subsequent legal work can uh continue to dismantle this thing until until the right to speak freely online is restored to all americans yeah that is exactly it uh wow i mean that's that's the wall that needs to happen right now uh, to bring this thing down it's a house of cards it needs yeah. to come down on its ass, yep. really. Um, and this this case could do all of that, providing we, you know, nothing is a guarantee unless judges are paid off, bought off, things happen, <laughs> systems happen, the government's got their hands on all these things. You know that, uh, Doc, yeah. you know, so I mean, um, there's no guarantees here, but the Supreme Court would be a good thing to get them to rule on. This would be significant and hard to look at all this evidence and not see what's clear is daylight, you know, right? I mean, I think so. And and yeah. the case just shining light on the evidence is also a win for us because we have to win in the courts. But, you know, we have to win in the court of public opinion as well. Exactly. We have to remind Americans about why free speech is so important and clue them in as to what's been happening to them, happening to them over the last several years, perhaps without their knowledge. And I think if we can win in the court of public opinion, you know, we'd like to think of judges as, you know, these sort of, you know, disconnected you know, perfectly rational uh, uh, entities that always come down with the correct judgments. But, you know, they, they're swayed by the mood of the country as well. So both of those fights are necessary. It's, I, I appreciate you bringing me on the show because, you know, explaining what's going on to Americans is every bit as important as making our arguments in court, you know, before the judges. That's exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, you are doing some significant work and, um, uh, frankly, uh, you know, uh, you're a hero, and I know you don't want to hear that, but I think people need to understand the the, the courageousness of people, and, and we, we've got them here. I mean, they, they exist, and they're all part of this grassroots movement of we the people taking back control. And uh, we are uh, your soundbox for whatever we can do to bring this to the light of day, to inform we the people of what's going on. And um, I thank you. Dr. Aaron Cariotti, for all of your work on the front lines throughout all of this, and even to this moment to today, and look forward to uh, to building a bridge ahead uh, to, to freedom. Thank you, sir. Likewise. Thanks, Malcolm. Friends, that's it. It's all in the back there. Thank you for joining me on the mission here. It's time to get involved and get loud, America. <laughs>